Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're so glad you joined us here for the conversation. Our study of the Gospel of Mark is focusing on the busy, productive, and life-changing work of Jesus in action. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Welcome back, friends, to today's episode of Everyday Truth. So glad you joined us. Have a postcard here from Nathan and Dawn Patefield. So Nathan and Dawn are serving in campus ministry. What a need uh, for salt and light to be on our college campuses. They're part of Campus Bible Fellowship, University of Washington in Bothell, and they're doing a great work there. So pray for uh, Nathan and Dawn today. If you think about it, as they minister to college students and try to make a difference at that impressionable transitional time in a young person's life. We're in uh, Mark chapter 14. Jesus has just been asked the question, the question. What is the question? The question is, are you the Messiah? Uh, are you the Son of God? Now, they knew the answer from the standpoint of they knew what Jesus' claims had been. They knew what people were saying. They knew that this was the reason why they wanted to get rid of him. But uh, but Jesus had been silent up until this time in the trial as false witnesses had come through and said he said this or he did that. No two of them could agree. But now the high priest just cuts straight to the chase. He stands up in the middle of the room. He says, listen, are you going to say nothing? He says this to Jesus. Are you just going to sit there in silence? I'm going to ask you the question, are you the Messiah? Are you the Son of God? And watch what Jesus says in verse number 62. And Jesus said, I am. Anytime you see that I am in the Gospels, when Jesus is speaking, really, it's it's so pregnant with meaning because it's more than just I am. It is that is the name by which God revealed himself to Moses. Remember, I am that I am. What's your name? What do I tell Pharaoh? Who sent me? You tell him, I am that I am sent you, the self-existent God, Jehovah, the God who is not just powerful, Elohim, not just almighty, El Shaddai, but the God that reveals himself, the personal God, Jehovah God. Understand, Jesus is Jehovah God, the very one and the same, co-equal, co-eternal, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So when Jesus said, I am, wow, that's full of meaning. And then he says, I am, and ye shall see. So yes, the answer to your question is yes, emphatically, I am Messiah. I am the Son of God. And to prove it, here's what you will witness with your own eyes one day. And ye shall see the Son of Man. Now they would obviously know what Jesus was referencing there because that's a reference, and we've said this so often, that was a reference to Daniel chapter 7. And the Jews loved the prophecy of Daniel why? Because Daniel talks about the ultimate victory of Messiah, the ultimate victory of God over the empires of the world. 
every good Jew was looking for Messiah to come because then our problems will be over and then political domination will be ours and economic stability and uh, reputation and all that goes along with having the ruler of the world as our king. That's what they were looking for. Remember the prophecy of Daniel as Daniel went through all those world powers, the Egypt and Assyria and uh, and Babylonia and Medo-Persia and Greece and Rome. And now the Jews were under Rome. So they're looking for that Messiah, the son of man that will come and throw off Roman oppression and set up his kingdom and rule and reign from Jerusalem. So when Jesus said, I am Messiah, I am the, the son of God, he knew what they were looking for. They were looking for a conqueror. Now, what they didn't understand is that Jesus first would be a sufferer, but watch how Jesus validates his claim of deity here. He says, I am, and ye shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Well, that's what they thought would happen first. Every Jewish leader was looking for the coming of the Messiah in the clouds of heaven to set up his kingdom, to rule and reign with power. And Jesus said, you're going to see that. One day you're going to see that. And the Bible teaches in Zechariah chapter 14, that great a prophetic book of the Old Testament, that Messiah will indeed come. And the Jewish people will look upon him whom they have pierced. And they will mourn for him as one would mourn for the loss of an only son. Why? Because they will realize then he came for us. He came unto his own. We rejected him nationally. We rejected him as a, a nation. And now we see that we were wrong. So Jesus answers the question and he gives the prophecy that one day you will see all of this validated. You don't believe it now. So by faith, you have rejected. But one day, this will be sight and you will see it. But at that point, at least for these leaders, it will be too late. Look at verse number 63. Then the high priest rent his clothes. So he ripped his garment. And that was always a sign of great mourning and distress. He ripped his clothes and saith, what need we any for what what need we any further witnesses? We don't need any we don't need anybody to go out and bring any other witness in. It doesn't matter that all these false witnesses can't agree with each other. We have an indictable offense right now. He has claimed to be the Messiah. He has claimed to be deity, to be God. That's blasphemy. That's enough to put him to death. Now, that's partly true. He did claim deity. He did claim to be Messiah. But was it blasphemy? No. Why? Because it was true. And the high priest was unwilling to accept that what Jesus just told him was the truth. Not only words of truth, but Jesus himself is the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. But he just couldn't see it. So thick were the blinders upon his eyes. Look at verse number 64. Ye have heard the blasphemy. 
The word blasphemy literally means abuse. He's abused the very truth. He's abused the very character of God. Ye have heard the blasphemy. What think ye? And they all condemned him to be guilty of death. What do you men think? What is now your indictment? And can you picture the evil in that room? As with one voice, they all consented. He is worthy of death. Uh, Kill him. Crucify him. Of course, they didn't say that at this moment. That will come later. But they were all consenting unto his death, much like uh, the situation in Acts chapter 7, when the people took Stephen outside of the council room and brought him to that outside gate and stoned him with stones. And Saul, the Bible says, was consenting unto his death, gave his stamp of approval. That's what's happening here formally, judiciously. What's happening is this council is formalizing its indictment of the death sentence upon uh, this, this man, Jesus, in their view. Verse number 65 And some, here's where it really gets sad, and some began to spit on him. Now just take that in for a moment. Here's the spotless Lamb of God sent by the Father in love for the world to substitute himself for those very same men who are now falsely accusing him and spitting on him. There's nothing that is more degrading or more condescending than to spit on somebody, to spit in somebody's face. Can you picture these men walking by a a handcuffed or a bound Jesus, spitting on him? Then the Bible says, and, and they began to spit on him, and then they covered his face and to buffet him. So they put a, a bag over his head or a burlap sack over his head. They began to punch him, slap him, beat him. Wow, the evil. And then they said, verse number 65, prophesy. And the servants did strike him with the palms of their hands. So the guard, the prison guards that are there, uh, they're just having sport, slapping, beating. Tell us who did it. Oh, you're supposed to know everything. You're God. You're the Messiah. Tell us who did it. They're mocking him, jeering at him, buffeting him, spitting upon him. These are dark, dark hours, are they not? Verse number 66, and as Peter was beneath the palace. So all of what's going on upstairs And now we're going to go downstairs to a scene where Peter is. And wow, I almost, let's go ahead. Let's jump into it. We've got maybe three minutes and I probably won't do this justice, but let's go go ahead and finish the chapter. Verse number 66. So Peter was beneath in the palace. There cometh one of the maids, the high priest. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked upon him and said, Thou also wast with Jesus of Nazareth. She saw she recognized him. But he denied, saying, I I know not. Neither understand I what thou sayest. I don't know what you're talking about. That's what what way we'd say that today. I don't don't know what you're talking about. You, You must have me mistaken with somebody else. 
and he went out into the porch and the cock crew. So there was the first, before the cock crows twice, Jesus had said. So he heard an initial, an early, there's multiple roosters, right? And so he heard one. Wouldn't that, would that not have been like a warning sign? Like, oh, oh, dawn's coming. The roosters are all about to crow. Uh, That's a preliminary warning. How many times does God give us preliminary warnings? And the Bible says in verse 69, and a maid saw him again and began to say to them that stood by, this is one of them. So now a second time he's been caught, he's been exposed, and he denied it again. And a little later or a little after, they that stood by said again to Peter, surely, we, we know this, we're confident of this. Surely thou art one of them, for thou art a Galilean. Thy speech agreeeth thereto. Wait a minute, you know, you've denied this, but you definitely were with him. Uh, we thought we recognized you, but your speech, the way you talk, your accent, it is very, very clear that you're from there. Remember, the people that arrested Jesus, they're all from Jerusalem. These guards, they all live in Jerusalem. So somebody that's not from there would have a different accent, would be readily recognizable. So now a third time, they strongly are pinning it upon Peter. No, we know who you are. You're not one of us. You're, you're his. You belong to him. And, and can I just say, by way of application, we ought to. It ought to be obvious that we belong to him. I hope that people would recognize me as one that's been with Jesus. I think it's interesting that the high priest later on, the priest later on in Acts said they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Why? Because they were bold as Jesus was bold. So that was a good thing. But here, Peter doesn't want any part of it. Verse number 71, he began to curse. Oh, if it's my speech that's giving me away, then I'm going to go the opposite extreme. And you're going to see here things come out of my mouth. He's cursing. What's he cursing? We, we, we just picture him saying swear words, but to curse means to bring down verbally uh, shame and reproach upon somebody else. He's cursing Jesus. He's cursing the things he claims to believe. He's in total denial mode. He's cursing and swearing and saying, I know not this man of whom you speak. I have no clue who you're talking about. The parallel passage says it was at this point that Jesus actually was being transferred from one part of the palace to another part of the palace through the courtyard, and his eyes actually locked and met the eyes of Peter. Look at verse number 72, and the second time the cock crew. And Peter called to mind the word, immediately remembered, the word that Jesus said unto him, before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me, thrice. Now, at this very moment as well, he sees Jesus, and he went out and wept bitterly. How bitter to be in that moment where all of your claims, I will never, I will always stand, I will fight to the death. And in that moment, you realized, well, your best intentions came to naught. Your flesh was weak, and you have ended up denying the person that you claim to love, the one whom you have claimed to follow, and now you are no 
better than any other enemy. You've denied the Lord. Now, that's not the rest of the story for Peter. Thank the Lord. But what a sad way to end chapter number 14. Hey, let's be careful today to be bold and faithful in our identification with Christ. And pray that God would give you sticking and staying power to name the name of Christ, to be recognized as one of his and not to deny. Hope that helps today. Sorry I went a little bit long. Hope you have a great day in the Lord. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.